Dadron Zipperer commits to Pitt. Hakeem goes elsewhere, and Pitt loses to Georgia Tech. How's that going to affect Pitt's recruiting or the vision of it heading in to the rest of the 23 cycle and, of course, into the 2024 cycle? We'll talk about it here with my man John Garcia Jr. on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Pit Podcast. Everybody, as always, I'm your host, Nick Fairbrother. Today's episode of Locked On Pit is brought to you by Upside Down, the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. We're talking recruiting. We're talking that area, of course. Even though we're in football season, everyone's always recruiting for multiple years, and that's why I welcome in John Garcia, Jr. John, welcome to the show as always, my friend. Good to be on with you, Nick. Uh, always good to check in, especially uh, especially when it's uh, ACC play, right? Things are picking up a little bit. It's getting a little bit more dramatic, so good time to check in. It certainly always is good to check in ACC play. Pitt got into that. Didn't end well for them, obviously, in the first week. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to go back to September. Yeah, it's October now, so we're in another month. I want to go back to September. And Pitt seemingly had its wide receiver class fall out. They didn't get Hakeem Williams. They did get Dadron Zipper. So it's not all bad for Pitt. But Hakeem Williams did go to Florida State. This seemingly just kind of picked up more and more as his commitment got closer. Florida State, the Knowles get the commitment. What are you hearing on that end? Pitt sounds like they're still in pursuit. How and how how definitive is this commitment from Hakeem Williams to Florida State? Yeah, it's a good way to frame it, Nick. Look, this is this is congruent with what we had heard going into it, right? AM probably held the most buzz at the very end of the summer, followed by Florida State. And Pittsburgh, as the season kicked off, in particular, that 4-0 start for the Seminoles, he was in attendance for that LSU game on a neutral field. At that point, we started to hear more buzz about Florida State, right? That offer seems different than it did two months ago, right? Mike Norvell and company, more stable, and a stabilized situation is obviously ideal when you're talking about a college football recruit making his decision. So we heard about the Florida State sort of late surge or trend, whatever you want to quantify it as going into the decision. And it felt like uh, Jimbo Fisher's old team or his new team was, was going to win out for this verbal commitment with Pitt as that next program uh, of, of notice there over Alabama, Georgia, some of the others that were on the list, Miami as well for Hakeem. So naturally he picks Florida State, uh, somewhat expected that morning or that afternoon, I should say. And then after that point, that's that's where we're at, right? What is the visit plan? Previously, Hakeem had talked about making multiple trips following a verbal commitment. Uh, one was going to be to Florida State, so I think that one obviously is, is still in line. But there was talk about a Texas A&M trip and possibly some others. So that's where we're at. Is that still the plan for him, or could that have changed with this commitment to Mike Norvell and company. I think that's that's sort of where it is. But it, it kind of worked out for Pitt either way, right? Because we knew the next day Zipper was on the clock. And, and the, the real, I guess, optical um, worst-case scenario would have been if you struck out, right? If you missed on both 
of those Floridians, and it was not the case. Uh, so I do think there was some silver lining in the decision, and I, I think a good example of self-awareness for Pitt uh, to, to not necessarily have moved on from Hakeem because I think, like you said, that communication will continue with, with uh, Coach Underwood and, and Hakeem's camp all the way through signing day, which all of a sudden is just, just over two months away, right? It's creeped up on us to a certain degree. So I think that communication will continue. But the self-awareness and, hey, let's not slow play or limp into this zipper recruitment because uh, this could be the final piece of the wide receiver class when all is said and done. So a good example of that and a little bit of time management uh, uh, in between with this coaching staff able to win that recruitment uh, despite being clearly all in for Hakeem Williams as well. I think it says a lot about Pitt. I think it also says a lot about Daedrid himself in terms of making a mature decision and not, I, I guess, feeling salty about maybe not being number one on the board going into to the end of September. So I think a maturity and a professionalism all around uh, on this wide receiver front for Pitt. And as things stand right now, a really nice group. Obviously, if you could flip Hakeem Williams, it turns into something else. Uh, but as it currently stands, you're, you're, you're plenty satisfied with the future of that wide receiver room. Yeah, and so the, the commitments from wide receiver for Taekwon Underwood in his first class, Zion Fowler, Kenny Johnson, Lamar Seymour, and Dadron Zipper. Now, Zipper is the newest commit to that class, John. This is a pit receiving core that has been uncharacteristically struggling early this year. So these freshmen that are coming in next year, they have an opportunity to potentially play. Give me the profile on Dadron Zipper. What's this type of what's the type of player Pitt's getting? Is does he profile as an early commit, you know, that plays early on? Is he a polished guy or is he a guy that maybe needs to develop more? What is Dadron Zipper? What's the storybook on him? Well, he's kind of a late riser in the recruiting process itself, right? His older brother was a blue chip recruit, a tight end who's now at Florida. Uh, so there was an expectation that Daedron will become that. Uh, but he didn't quite grow as early as Keon did. Um, and he obviously never moved to tight end because he's still certainly a wide receiver prospect. So it took a little bit of time for him to hit his stride in recruiting. But I don't think it took away from his game. He, he was always this slender kind of smooth and twitchy wide receiver who, who really made big plays down the football field. And, and he's doing it at Lakeland high, high School, which is cream of the crop in Central Florida. I mean, it doesn't get much more high profile, great competition uh, that Lakeland is playing week in, week out. And, and heck, I mean, he's going against the number one corner in the country every day in practice in Cormani McLean. So uh, not only on Friday nights is he facing good competition, but Sunday through Thursday, it, it's about as good as it gets nationally. Uh, Lakeland's got a bunch of defensive backs that are, are power five and FBS caliber. So he's getting that work every single day. So we have seen in a short amount of time a qu quite a bit of jump uh, from Zipper. I think last year he profiled as kind of a flashy, high ceiling downfield target. You know, kind of a, a guy you got to test a defense with kind of guy, maybe a return specialist as well. But now as a senior, we're seeing more of a well-rounded game, right? He is polished up in short order uh, to, to the point where I do think he could be a, a fairly competitive freshman wide receiver at Pittsburgh as, as early as next year. He's got the frame. Uh, he's he's going to fill out and add a little bit of weight, which is certainly the, the first order of business from, from a physical standpoint for him. But his ability to, to stretch the field, 
uh, and win at the the catch point, win at the apex, and 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 show some body awareness on top of it on a six two frame uh, has really come to fruition as a senior. You know, he's got another great receiver on his high school roster, Tyler Williams, that maybe takes some pressure off of of Daydren. So he's getting a little bit of, of of single coverage looks, and he's taking advantage of it. I don't think Lakeland has lost a game thus far in in 2022 and and he's a big part of that offense so i do think that he's got some of the chops to be able to come in and and play early and if he does fill out and polish up just a little bit more kind of on that same progression that we've seen over the last six to 12 months i think he could be kind of an in-between receiver and what i mean by that is he's not this big physical boundary guy right he's not an ikeem williams he's not a Lawrence seymour you already got that on the commitment list right i mean that is your boundary big physical wide out he's kind of tall enough but not big enough to occupy that role but at the same time he's not this 5 10 180 pound shifty guy either he's in between think of a tyler boy just from from a height weight kind of smooth standpoint he's got some of that in his game at this point not as polished as tyler coming out of high school but he's on that track with, with still you know half of his senior season to play um i do think he's got the opportunity to to factor in here sooner rather than later because he's just a bit different than some of the other receivers that pitt is bringing in and i do want to talk about those receivers but first folks i want to talk to you guys about upside from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant folks inflation's hitting us all where it hurts that's why you can start using upside upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas groceries or dines out with every purchase you can earn cash back Thanks to Upside. Folks, to get started, just download the free Upside app. Use the promo code LOCKED. That's the promo code LOCKED. Get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. All you have to do is claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business. Pay as usual with the credit or debit card. And folks, you will get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Again, that's the promo code LOCKED if you want to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Download the free Upside app. Use that promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, John. So you look now at this group. You have Kenny Johnson. You have Lamar Seymour. You have Zion Fowler. You have Dadron Zipper. Zipperer, a little bit different. You have the route runner in Fowler, yep. the, the real explosive athlete. You have Seymour, who's the big boundary physical guy who can win the contested catches. And then you look at Johnson, and he's kind of a little bit of a mix. Mm-hmm. When you look at this receiving group, what's the story of this receiving group, this class? What's the strength that you look at? They're all very big. They're all six foot or that's, or that's where I was going to start. I think mm-hmm. it, it kind of strikes you that these guys are not not only, you know, bigger wide receivers, but just long. It's great to be six foot, six, one, six, two and, and see more in Zipper's case. But you're also long on top of that. You know, when you watch Fowler, I mean, when he catches the ball away from his body, you're like, I mean, maybe he should be a DB, right? Because you covet that length a little bit more on that side of the football. So I do think that there's a nice variance in skill set, yet there is a congruence in height and length. And I think, again, what we talk about the defensive game going that route where it's about um, can you throw that back shoulder or defend that back shoulder from a defensive back standpoint? Well, these are the kind of receivers that you're throwing those balls to, right? And I think that that while the offense has become more balanced, I would say, in 2022, there's still that need uh, to to play the strengths. And I think when you talk about the type of 
accurate quarterback that Pitt is, is always going to covet, right? That accurate pocket passer, you know, that's always going to be a foundational element of the offense, right? Throwing back shoulder, timing, anticipation, those deep dig routes that we saw early in this season, you know, uh, with success up the seams. And, and with these bigger receivers, now you can line them up all over the place, right? I think outside of Seymour, the other three, you can line them in the slot. You can line them up next to each other in a bunch. Um, I think they can do so many things. And Seymour is just so close to his ceiling as just that big physical, almost a, a tight end type of body uh, to where, you know, he provides his own style of mismatch, right? If he's going against a DB, he's just too big and strong, too polished, right? He's elite with the football in the air. These other guys now you create mismatches with, right? You know, if, if you've got a linebacker on any of these other three, uh, they're too quick. They're too twitchy. For, for them to deal with. And then again, when you get to the secondary prospects, the length of the ball skills, the awareness uh, really just complements uh, that great size um, of, of, of all of these guys, right? Again, all of them over six foot one, just something that is rare to see on a verbal commitment list at that position. You go to Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, wherever you want to go, you're not going to see that, that great uh, congruence from a height and length standpoint. And all of them, can win contested balls. All of them can win at the catch point. They all show some level of body awareness when the ball is in the air. So you're going to have a really nice group to come in and not only compete with the guys who are already on the roster, but with each other, right? Because now you're, you're competing internally here to see, okay, which of these freshmen is going to be first to see the field. You can almost, Nick, you can almost make the argument for each of these four. Right. If you want to go ceiling, maybe it's zipper. You want to go floor. It's probably Seymour. And you want to go polish. You probably go Fowler. I mean, you can really start to make the argument for, for each one of these guys in their own right. So because of that, um, it's, it's going to be tough to predetermine which one will see the field first. But you also don't have the problem to where you're like, man, these guys just need time to get there. If, if if that was the case for two or three of the four, you start to feel really worried about how the season has gone combined with what you got coming in at a really important position. Yeah, a really critical position indeed. And, and let's flip over to that season because pit season has been tumultuous to say the least. I mean, this, this has been a team that's been bit badly by the injury book. First of mm -hmm. all, just, so many injuries, so many key players, but that's no excuse to lose to a Georgia Tech team that just fired its coach. And that's what happened last week. We've seen Keaton Slovis have moments of brilliance, first half versus Tennessee, then he gets concussed, misses a game, comes back, looks rusty, plays awful against Georgia Tech. We've seen the receivers not really live up to expectations outside of Jared Wayne. We have seen a run first offense this year. It's been very different it's than the different, market. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. a different offense from Mark Whipple, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, all those guys. And I'm not certain it's what they want to do. I'm not certain that they want to run the football 40 times a game, but they almost feel like they have to. How can a season like this, a start to the season, when you have a debilitating loss like that, that is not a good look for a team that was in the top 25 to lose to Georgia Tech in the fashion that they did. How's that going to affect Pitt's momentum on the recruiting trail? Look, any any one game doesn't stunt you when things are fairly stable. So for, for Pat Narduzzi and Pitt in general, one game's not going to do it. Again, optically and in the moment, oh my gosh, awful, right? I mean, just no nobody saw it coming. I, I don't know if Georgia Tech's players 
saw it coming. And certainly, look, the effort and all of that, they were galvanized, right? Look, when, when you move on from a coach, it galvanizes that roster because now everybody's playing, coaching, recruiting for their jobs. Everybody, right? Nobody is, quote unquote, safe. Uh, so you, you do get that increased effort, which sometimes is almost the reasoning that you see these things happen. So this this has happened in the past. But on the pit side of it, you really can't quantify it so negatively off of one game. Now, if this becomes a trend and now we are not sure what pit has become and it becomes a polarizing season and an extreme season relative to last year, then I think you could see some impacts, right? Because other schools will start calling these recruits and be like, hey, Pitt was a flash in the pan. This is not, this isn't who they are, right? It was, it was a, a lucky year, a fluke, whatever you want to call it. That's what these other coaches will start to say. But in one game, you're not going to get that. Uh, even though it looked as bad as it did, embarrassing, all those things, you're not going to get that off of one game unless this was an, a, a program that wasn't so stable, right? If, you know, Florida State plays Georgia Tech week one and comes out that way, everyone's panicking, right? Because there's hot seat talk now and it just changes the entire narrative and perception of the program. This, to me, though, at the pit front, profiled as a head-turning, oh, kind of move, but nothing that that should create any type of panic from a recruiting perspective. And I think uh, you'll see that going forward. You don't expect decommitments. You don't expect Kenny Minchie to call Notre Dame and say, hey, well, is that spot still there? It's not a one-to-one -one ratio as much as we as, as adults and fans think that that it is, right? The panic we, we almost create is almost never translated over onto uh, recruits unless it has ramifications with the head coach and the coaching carousel and things like that. To that degree, sure, that's when you panic. Pitt is very far from that point. Again, unless this becomes a trend and now Pitt plays this way the rest of the season and the, the conversations start to pick up at that point, I do think you see a more direct impact with recruiting, but I don't think any one game is, is going to slow down the perception of, of Pitt football, even though it does feel so different than it did a year ago. Yeah, it definitely feels different, um, but this could easily be a Western Michigan game. I mean, we don't really know, but what do you make of an offense that tr shifts drastically? New offensive coordinator, so you knew that was going to happen to a degree, mm -hmm. but we are talking about Kenny Pickett throwing the ball 40 times a game to Israel Abani Kanda running the ball 30 times a game. I mean, that yeah. is as drastic a shift as you can. And no disrespect to Abani Kanda, he's phenomenal, but that has been a shift. This offense has not been what it was last year. It's a different style. You probably know a little bit about the Frank Segretti offense, and you've seen it. He's been around forever. He's in the NFL. Yeah. He's been around the, the barnyard, to say the least. This doesn't necessarily profile as a Frank Segretti offense completely. What the, what does the recruiting class in 23 do you? If you look at it overall, you look at Kenny Minchie, the four receivers, the fact they only have one running back in that class, does it signal to you that they're looking – to go run first to me with right. a guy like Kenny Minchie as well. It signals to me that they want to throw the football a little bit more. I think two things, Nick one, look, when you bring in a new OC and a new offense, it's, it's a total reset, right? Um, forget the personnel, which is it's a reset in and of itself at Pitt this year. Forget the personnel. It, even if it, this was Kenny Pickett and, and Jordan Addison and all those guys, you're still resetting the entire playbook, the terminology, the scheme, the timing, the tempo, even your cadence as a quarterback before you receive the ball is different 
relative to the system. So it's a total overhaul in that regard. So I think on one end, you're like, wow, that West Virginia game was, it was amazing that it looked so good for it being game one under this new system. But I think the growing pains thereafter were, should have been somewhat expected. And I think when it comes to that shift, I think the personnel actually is partially to blame, right? You mentioned the up and down feel uh, for, for Keaton Slovis really since that Tennessee game. I think that helped you dictate what you had to be from a play calling perspective and a conservative perspective thereafter. And maybe even during that Georgia Tech game because he was back and rusty and you kind of didn't know, right? It felt like there was a, an uncertainty there to say the least. So you have to naturally go a little bit more conservative. And now your personnel doesn't quite fit that, right? You don't fit a balanced run first type of offense. Uh, you, you, you are built to be more of a pass first offense. And like you said, the way that Pitt has continued to recruit, I do think signals that the balance is going to shift a little bit more uh, towards a pass first offense, but all of that had to be implemented. So I think it's, it's really easy to lump lump into the negative in year one but as long as it gets corrected and look bye weeks are coming there there are there are times to naturally take a step back and and self-evaluate if if there is a change in the in those small waves coming out of those kind of weeks i think you could start to feel like okay this thing's going to get back on track and it'll be more 60 40 in favor of the pass come at the end of this season bowl season and, and into next spring um but if that doesn't happen i think that's where you start to to see a little bit more of a drastic desire to change right and that's where it falls on on narduzzi you know it's not easy um but that's that's what he signed up for as kind of the ceo of pit football and that's something he'll have to evaluate so again just like the georgia tech game in a phone booth if if that is what pit becomes Things have to change. But if if it is not and, it, and that was the fluke, then all of a sudden I, I think things will feel a lot better. But again, I don't expect a major recruiting fallout unless it's one extreme or the other. One last thing, John, before we go here, you look at Pitt's schedule the rest of the way. Not hard. It's really not a hard schedule. Got to love the coastal, baby. Good- like that's a good thing for them because yeah. like listen, it could it could help their record, of course, and if they get back on track. It's also though potentially bad because they don't have a Clemson like they did last year, where they could have recruits come in and see everything. Now they have Syracuse, which is all good and well with Syracuse trending up this year. True. But how much is that lack of a marquee match for them to say, we're gonna stamp this one? This is where all of our recruits are gonna come in during ACC play. They're gonna get see the place rocking and everything. How's that gonna affect them coming in to ACC play? Because it feels like their two biggest games were West Virginia and Tennessee, and everyone that's been big that they've wanted to visit has already visited. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And again, that's a mark of self-awareness, right? You look at your schedule and say, what what really is the upside from a recruiting perspective? O- always big early in the season anyway. So to have those marquee matchups at home uh, and those games each live up to the hype, I think that's an important uh, factor as well. I, I think that was advantageous uh, for pit football. And that's why we feel like this recruiting class is getting closer to being wrapped up kind of all together, right? Uh, so I do think that's a big part of it. And, and I think when you start to turn the page to 2024, Kids are going to want to visit, period. Uh, the games, the opponent matters if it's going to be, you know, uh, Penn State whiteout 
or a huge, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Alabama, Auburn. If it's a huge rivalry game, kids are going to come out and, and want to take a spot and you might have a hard time saying saying no. Um, but otherwise, kids are going to take huge visits. I, I saw I think Alabama played uh, ULM or something like that. And they had like three five stars visiting. I mean, it's just it's about how the school wants to recruit because you can spin that in recruiting and say, hey, I know it's just Syracuse coming to town, but, you know, they're actually a really good team in the ACC. But we also want to be able to have less kids on campus to spend more time with you. Right. So I think it, it really boils down to the relationships that these recruits have with these positional coaches, because they're going to want to get to get them on campus, period, especially local and especially underclassmen, 2024, 2025. You're going to get those kids on campus as much as possible, period, even if the atmosphere isn't going to be on that top tier like like it was for Tennessee and, and West Virginia. You still want to get that face time with those kids because you, you you could only see so many kids when you're out on the road recruiting. And obviously for 2023, there's only so many you're going to visit with within homes when, when we get a little bit closer to signing day. So you still want to use those game days as recruiting grounds to get face time and, and further a message with a recruit, even without those marquee matchups. And oftentimes if the kids feel that love, as they say, they're going to make the trip almost regardless of opponent. All right, John, great stuff as always. Tell them where they could follow you, read your stuff as always. Yeah, real simple, si.com slash college. We just put out our, our October class rankings. Pitt is number 23 in, in that ranking, by the way. So still all well on the recruiting front overall. So check that out for free at si.com slash college. And I'm on Twitter as well, John Garcia underscore JR. Folks, make sure to check all of that out. As we end it here as always, hail to Pitt.